In the book of Judges chapter 13, there's a very arresting story about Samson's parents. The man's name is Manoah. We don't actually know the wife's name. It's not given to us. But Manoah and his wife, best we can tell from the story we've been given, uh, have been married for some time and have not been able to have children. It sounds like from the story that they've come to grips with the difficulty of being barren best they can. And they're simply trying to make their way through life without this blessing of children that they really desperately wanted. Well, as only God can do, in a miraculous way, he appears to the woman. Now, it's very fascinating that God doesn't choose to appear to both of them when they're together. He waits until the wife is by herself. We don't know why, but perhaps he does it because maybe she is bearing the shame, the pain, the difficulty of barrenness, perhaps more than her husband is. And so God himself, the angel of the Lord, appears to this wife and says to her, you're going to have a miraculous baby, even though you're barren and childless, the Lord himself is going to cause you to become pregnant. And then she tells him that this son that they're going to have, Samson, is going to be a Nazarite, meaning he's going to be dedicated to the Lord from his birth, and he will be responsible for helping lead God's people against the Philistines who are oppressing them during this time. Well, as you can imagine, this wife is overwhelmed. She runs and tells her husband Manoah and says, you're never going to believe this. An angel of the Lord appeared to me and told me these things. And in my own mind's eye, I kind of picture Manoah like his eyes, like big, like deer in the headlights, like, whoa, and you can kind of feel him feeling overwhelmed. We're going to be first time parents. This is a miraculous baby. He's going to do miraculous things. Who is competent to raise such a child? And so I love the father's prayer. This is what he says. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Do you know that feeling? Where perhaps you've been given an assignment from God and you feel completely overwhelmed and you think, who is competent to do such a thing? Here are these parents and they've been assigned this job of raising this very special, miraculous baby. And the angel gives very specific instructions about how that child's supposed to be raised. And Manoah and his wife feel overwhelmed for that. And so they ask God, God, come teach us how to teach him. I resonate with that story this week because as we think about this pandemic, as we think about this quarantine that we're in the midst of, in many ways, it's like the situation that Manoah and his wife were thrown into. Something they were completely unprepared for. They were not expecting. And now it's required of them uh, to teach others what to do in the midst of this situation. I think that's true in the midst of the situation in which we find ourselves. When the world is turned upside down, the need for teaching becomes all the more important. Now, this is true in very practical sorts of ways. Perhaps you found yourself teaching another person how to use Zoom or some technology in order to be able to engage. 
perhaps you received a phone call this week from a friend who said, hey, look, I need to learn how to bake bread at home. You know how to do that. Can you teach me how to do that? Perhaps you have been teaching homeschool. You weren't prepared to be a teacher, but now you are teaching homeschool. Maybe you are, like Kristen in the video, teaching teachers how to teach in the midst of a new environment. Maybe as a grandparent, you're trying to teach your grandkids uh, how to interact and deal with certain things in the midst of a quarantine and a pandemic that we just weren't prepared for or weren't ready for. We're all teaching now. But this is also true in much more substantial ways. Not just in teachers who are teaching material, but we've all been asked to be teachers in new ways. Perhaps you're an older person. And whether you know it or not, you've been asked by God to teach those who are younger that pandemics, wars, plagues, those sorts of things, these two will pass, that we will get through this. Perhaps you have been through uh, being laid off or an economic difficulty at some point in the past, and now you're being asked to teach others how to go through such a thing. Maybe you are a child and you've been asked to teach your parents how to have faith and not to be afraid, to have that childlike faith. Perhaps you are a middle school student and you've been asked to teach an elementary sibling uh, something about school or how to stay connected to God in the midst of this. Maybe you've been through loneliness or difficulty or isolation and you know how to engage with God in the midst of this and you're being asked to teach others. Maybe we're being asked to teach uh, people that we love spiritual things and how to continue to have faith in the midst of this. One thing that's true in the midst of this quarantine is that we are all teachers now. And so what we want to do is look at God's word because this morning I believe God has some encouragement for us in the roles as teachers that we all find ourselves in now. Whether school teachers, whether teaching in the home, teaching coworkers or neighbors, teaching friends, whatever it may be. So what I'd like to invite you to do is to take your Bible and turn to the book of Titus chapter two. The book of Titus chapter two. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you just a few minutes at home. And what I'd like you to do is if you're by yourself, just read through the entire chapter of Titus two silently to yourself. If you're there with other people, you might pick one or two people to read Titus 2 aloud. And while you're reading it, either silently to yourself or aloud, what I'd like you to do is take note of every time the English word teach or teaching shows up in the passage. Now, for those of you who are overachievers, if you finish early, an extra credit assignment You can also look for words that are similar to the word teach, like encourage or set an example. But take a few minutes, read through all of Titus 2, and count the number of times that you see the English word teach or teaching, and we'll come back together and discuss them. Hopefully you were able to read through the passage and at least by my count in the NIV, uh, I came up with nine. 
Did y'all get nine? All right, great. Uh, Nine different times. Now, those are actually six different Greek words. Uh, and they, some of them have kind of a meaning of like training. Some have more of the meaning of instruction. Some have more of the idea of mentoring or coaching. But generally, the English word teach is an excellent translation. And hopefully you are able to see that this chapter is a lot about teaching. Now, there's some other truths that we're going to be able to go over in later weeks from this chapter. But teaching is a major, major theme in Titus chapter two. It also fits with this idea of quiet, this kind of mini series we've been doing in the midst of Titus two, in which we're talking about activities and character traits uh, that perhaps are not noticed as much by the world. And I think teaching is one of those things. Uh, The world tends to celebrate those who produce. We tend to celebrate the sports star and not the high school coach who helped him or her become a sports star. But in God's kingdom, teaching is incredibly important. It's incredibly valuable. And whether or not the world has recognized it in the past, in the midst of this quarantine, and of course through Titus chapter two, God is emphasizing just how important teaching is to him and to his kingdom. And as I said before, in this quarantine, we are now all teachers, whether we want to be or not. And so from Titus chapter two, I'd like to share with us five words of encouragement, five ideas that are meant to be encouraging to us in our teaching, whether we're Sunday school teachers, school teachers, teaching at home, teaching others through family relationships, workplace, whatever it may be, five encouragements to those of us who are trying to teach in a way that is pleasing to God. Encouragement number one, teaching in God's kingdom is less about information and more about wisdom. One of the problems with allowing teaching in God's word to be dominated by the teaching that happens in the world is that the teaching that happens in the world is often information-based. But the teaching of God's word, or sorry, the teaching that is talked about in God's word is more wisdom-based. You see things like teach people to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. It talks about teaching people not to be addicted to much wine. It talks about teaching younger wives to love their husbands and to care for their children. The Christian poet T.S. Eliot has this wonderful quote in which he says, where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge and where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Information and wisdom are not the same thing and the Bible is placing the emphasis on teaching wisdom. That's an encouragement to me. I hope it's an encouragement to you. My children are school age and so at school age children, it means that we often have to do math. Uh, And if you've not tried to teach someone else math in a while, it's a very humbling thing. Math is tough. And it's very humbling to be in fourth grade math or seventh grade math or high school math and think, I don't have any idea how to do this. But the reminder from this is that the teaching God is interested in, 
He is interested, of course, in the information of teaching math. But what's far more important is the wisdom. When I was in college especially, I had a lot of trouble with math. And in the midst of those times, the Lord taught me to cry out to him and to pray to him. And you know what I discovered? I guess I should have known this, of course. The best math teacher in the universe is God. He's actually good at teaching people math. I didn't realize that. But in the midst of my crises and trouble, God showed up and taught me math. And this reminds me that the most important thing that I can teach my children is not necessarily the math, but what to do when you don't get the math. And what I learned is to pray and to ask God for help. And the most important thing for me to teach my children and for you to teach your children or others is not the information, but the wisdom that God helps those who come to him in prayer. This may be an encouragement to you. Perhaps, again, you might have children at home and you may be trying to think through this homeschooling thing and maybe your school sent you some assignments to do and you might think to yourself, the most important thing I can teach my kids is to get through all of these assignments. I do want you to do all the assignments. But the most important thing I think that we can teach our children in the midst of this is how to be self-controlled, how to be disciplined, how to set a structure and a schedule It's less about trying to get all of the information across. And according to God, it's more about the wisdom of how to live life in a way uh, that is self-controlled, disciplined, and holy. Encouragement number two. We can and do teach by example. Look at the first half of verse seven in Titus 2. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. One of the discouraging things about thinking about all of us being teachers is some are just not naturally wired that way. We don't normally think about lesson plans or we may not be very good at verbally explaining something to someone else. But that's not the only kind of teaching that takes place in God's kingdom. There is a lot of teaching that happens by example. And we may not know it, but during this quarantine, during this special time, people are watching and paying attention to what's going on. For example, last Saturday, Easter Saturday, an ambulance, sirens, uh, uh, flashers flashing, showed up at our neighbor's house. Now, of course, this is a big event. Uh, So Lisa goes outside to kind of see, now at a safe distance, to kind of see what's happening. And our uh, older next door neighbor uh, was suffering uh, from some symptoms. He was exhausted. He had, we found out he had been uh, sick all week. He was having trouble breathing. And so, of course, immediately, everybody's sort of uh, attention is on high. And I watched as the first responders came, and you could see it in their eyes as they put on their masks, but they went ahead and they did their job and they loaded him up in a stretcher and they put him in the ambulance and you could see the compassion in their eyes and that was, that was instructive to me to watch that happening. One of our other neighbors thought it was our house that the ambulance had come to. And so he stopped over to make sure, are we okay? I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then Lisa says, hey, I'm going to go over and see our neighbor and I'm going to take her uh, some food because she's not able to get in the ambulance and go. And I just want her to let her know that she's loved. And you know what I said? I thought, 
No, 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 that's a bad idea. We need to stay as far away as possible. And her response was, look, this is the time she needs to know that she's loved. And so Lisa did take the necessary precautions, but she took some food over to our neighbor and a note, left them on their doorstep and just said, hey, look, we love you and we're praying for you. Now it turns out he tested negative for COVID-19, but none of those people knew it at the time they were doing what they were doing. I was paying attention to all of this. And only a little bit later did the Lord subtly prompt me. So this was Easter Saturday. That last week's message, so the next day I was going to be preaching about the good Samaritan. And it was very convicting to realize that all these other people had demonstrated what it looked like to be a good neighbor in the midst of this situation. And I learned a lot by watching others' examples. And so the second encouragement is that we don't always have to use words. There is lots of teaching that we do when we don't even know that we're teaching. We're just trying to live our lives in ways that are faithful to what God's called us to do. Encouragement number three. You don't have to be fun and exciting to be a good teacher in God's kingdom. Look at the second half of verse seven. In your teaching... Show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech. One of the things about teaching is you might think, well, if I'm going to teach somebody something to somebody else, I got to put it in a video. It's got to be super fun. Everybody's got to love it. In God's kingdom, those are not the values that he values. What he values is authenticity, integrity. He values faithfulness, seriousness. In God's kingdom, there's lots of repetition. There's lots of reminding people of the same things over and over again. And as a person who often teaches publicly, I think, well, I don't want to tell them the same stuff over and over again. I want to tell them new stuff. I want to tell them cool stuff. I want to tell them fun, exciting stuff. I want to tell them funny stuff. But that's not the stuff God's looking for. What he's looking for is authenticity, integrity, faithfulness. Ardo Draper is on our pastoral staff at Calvary Church. Uh, and if you ever have a chance to even run into Ardo and you ask Ardo, how are you doing? Uh, he will always answer the exact same way. I'm blessed. So much so that we get to laugh with him. I probably heard him say it to me a thousand times. But in that repetition, it's a reminder of a very important teaching that no matter what we're going through in life, there are some blessings from God that are evident, we ought to look for them. And this idea that we need to be hip or cool or interesting or exciting or hold people's attention or be funny or whatever it may be. Now listen, I'm not saying go out of your way to be boring. But I am saying, don't be afraid in God's kingdom. What he wants is faithfulness. What he wants is us to remind people of things they may already know. He wants repetition. He wants authenticity. I think of the Sunday school teachers who teach the same Bible stories over and over and over again to our children here at Calvary Church. And we might think, well, how boring is that? God doesn't think so. He thinks it's incredibly valuable. Encouragement number four. God is teaching us so that we can teach others. Look at verse 11 and 12. It's our benediction for this year. 
For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's easy to forget that one of the titles that Jesus is most often addressed by is teacher. And that when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit will come and will be our teacher. And that God, through his grace, is constantly teaching us these things. The encouragement here is, is what we are being taught by God, we can then turn around and teach others. There are many of you who have been through some very difficult things just simply because you've lived longer in life. You've been through wars or rumors of wars. You've seen epidemics. You've seen difficult economic crises. And the Lord has taught you how to have perseverance. You are now equipped to teach others. There are those of you who are grandparents who have been taught by God in such a way that you can now teach your adult children or your younger grandchildren. There are some among us who have been laid off and have experienced God's faithfulness and God has taught you how not to be afraid in the midst of that. You are ready to teach others. There are some among us who know what it's like to be lonely, who know what it's like to be isolated. And God has taught you in the midst of your loneliness and in your isolation how to deal with such things. You are in a prime position to help others. Some among us have gone through uh, marital unfaithfulness or divorce or cancer or losing a job or whatever it may be. God is doing those things, teaching us so that we can turn around and teach others. Some of us have learned to deal with pornography or alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be. God is teaching us so that we can teach others. And the encouragement is, you and I are not asked to teach out of our own abilities, we're simply repeating the things that God has said to us, the things that God has taught us, the passages that have been helpful to us, the things that we have learned along the way. And any teaching we're being asked to do are things that God himself has taught us that we can then pass on to others. Which leads to the fifth and final encouragement from this passage. Do not let anyone despise you as a teacher. Verse 15. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. You may think, but I'm just a child. What do I have to teach anyone? plenty. You may think, but I'm a part of an older generation. This younger generation is not going to be interested in anything that I'm doing or saying. What do I have to offer? Plenty. You may be a person who doesn't have a lot of formal education. You might think to yourself, what do I have to teach someone else? Plenty. You may be a brand new Christian. And you think, well, I don't have anything that I could offer to someone else about living godly life. You have plenty that you can teach because God is teaching you. You are prepared to teach others. 
And the last encouragement is, don't let anyone, especially yourself, despise you as a teacher. You are being taught by God and you are being called by God to teach others. Not necessarily tons of information, but wisdom. Doesn't have to be in a super exciting, fun sort of way, just faithful, repetitive, reminding, encouraging them. Teaching by example, just simply sharing the things that God has taught us with other people. Now before we leave this, let me give just maybe uh, one instruction on how to teach in such a way uh, that Titus 2 is talking about. There's lots we could say about this. We don't have time to do all of that. But just one how-to sort of thing and a pretty practical assignment that you could try this week. The most important thing for teaching the way God wants taught, no surprise, the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly furnished, sorry, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, normally when we think of teaching and the scriptures, we think of teaching the scriptures. But you don't have to do what I do. You don't have to sort of get up front in front of people every week and open up the Bible and teach them something from the Bible in order to be a spiritual teacher. This passage is also talking about the fact that the scriptures help us as teachers. The scriptures help us to be teachers, school teachers. The scriptures help us to be teachers in our small group. They help us to teach others in our family. That the scriptures are useful for making us the kind of teachers that God wants in his kingdom. How does that work? Well, here's an assignment for you to try. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom from God. So your assignment for this week, just pick a chapter of the book of Proverbs and read through it. And if any statement jumps out at you because of the environment in which we find ourselves, because of the coronavirus, because of the quarantine, whatever it is, just take note of it and think about anything you might tell somebody else about that or some way you might put it into practice. So for example, I did that this week. On Tuesday, when I was writing the first draft of the sermon, I was in Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, Verse one didn't really resonate that much with me, but I got to verse two. I read, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And while I was just kind of thinking about that for a moment, it sort of dawned on me America as a country, we're a very proud nation and I don't think that's a good thing. But this pandemic that we're going through, it's rather humbling. It's pretty humbling to realize that no matter what we do, we can't, we're not in control of things. And corporately as a country or even individually, this is why it's so confusing and you try to think through, you know what, you don't wanna make, you don't wanna make too dogmatic a statement about anything because it's difficult to navigate your way through this. Who knows when the country will open back up? Who knows what's gonna happen with the economy? Who knows how this virus is going to handle? And there is something that in the midst of this is super humbling. So that verse jumped out at me and I just simply kinda thought through that. 
as I kept reading, verse four also jumped out at me. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The hardest hit country with this virus is the United States of America. We also happen to be the richest country on the planet. If you look around China, Europe, they've also had a lot of difficulties with this virus, also very wealthy countries. When I read that, I think wealth is somewhat worthless in the day of wrath, that the richest countries on earth could not prevent this thing from happening. But righteousness delivers from death. And again, you simply, as you observe something like that, share it with somebody. You're like, oh, they're not gonna wanna hear it from me. It's God teaching you and you share it with them. It can be a blessing. I kept reading and to be honest, lots of the other verses didn't jump out at me, but verse 26 did. I got to Proverbs 11, 26. It says, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. And I thought about that when I thought about toilet paper and hand sanitizer uh, and some of the groceries and stuff. And again, it wasn't a big deal, but when I was at the grocery store this week, having read that verse, I saw at the shelves of, I think we're at D&W, there was only two bags of flour left. My human instinct was buy both of them because if they're going fast, we may need to have buy both of them. This verse said, just buy one and leave that other one for somebody else. Maybe nobody noticed Maybe people did, but this is God's word trying to obey that. This is the assignment. Try it. Take a chapter of the book of Proverbs. Try chapter 12. Just read it this week and look for anything that jumps out. You could have a family discussion. You could bring it up in your small group in a Zoom conversation. Maybe you just put something in practice. Maybe people will pay attention. Maybe they won't. But this is how we teach the wisdom of God. The world doesn't value teaching nearly as much as it ought. We tend to put the emphasis on the people who do and not the ones who are behind the scenes doing the teaching. I think there's a new appreciation, yes, for school teachers and professors and those sorts of things, but also for how much teaching all of us are doing. When the world gets turned upside down and everything gets shaken, There is so much more teaching that takes place. And so be encouraged that the Lord has called every one of us to be a teacher. Be encouraged that we're not supposed to necessarily be teaching information, we're teaching wisdom. That we teach by our example. We don't always have to use words. We simply live in faithful ways and let God use that to teach others. That we're not called to be exciting or engaging, we're simply called to be faithful. We're called to be authentic. That in the midst of all the things we're supposed to be teaching others, that God himself is first teaching us. And so don't let anyone, your parents, your friends, your kids, your neighbors, don't let anybody despise you as a teacher, especially yourself. God has called you to teach. He will bless you and encourage you as you're faithful in it. I pray that the book of Proverbs would be a blessing as you work through that assignment this week. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on.
If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.